that I, that I, that I uh, want to share. You can be seated real quick. I guess I'll, I'll preface it a bit uh, before I kind of jump into this thing and, and share what thus saith God. Um, I believe that we're in a season and a time um, that is very uncomfortable for the church culture as we know it. What time is that that we're in that's very uncomfortable for us? It is a time of confrontation. Um, Christianity has a, is very uncomfortable with confrontation, but in actuality, there's no progression without confronting what we're currently doing. That's not all of what God asked us to do. And so we're in a challenge right now because God is coming after some stuff. Amen. While we're saying in the name of Jesus, while we're praising in the name of Jesus, while we're worshiping in the name of Jesus, the Lord is still saying, I'm ready to confront you on some things. Amen. And he makes this clear in his letters, seven letters to the church of Asia Minor. He says to the church of Ephesus, I know thy works and I know thy patience and I know thy long suffering. And I know that you can't stand those who are evil and have called out apostles who aren't really apostles. He said, that's good, but I still got to confront you. Yet I have a few things against you, for you have left your... Our problem is if we think we're doing it for God, then we don't deserve any confrontation. We, some, we, come how, we somehow skirt around the confrontation because everything we did, we did in the name of the Lord. And if we're going to truly be relevant in this time, we got to confront some stuff that we see, but we just don't want to cause no issues. We just don't, because I already know how it's going to go down if I say something. I already know how people are going to respond. This isn't the time for us to sit back. There must be confrontation. And one thing that the Lord is coming after in our season, in our time, believe it or not, one thing that he's after, one thing he wants to confront us on is our worship. My God. With all the new sounds and all the groups and, and all the CDs and all the downloads, the Lord, because he never said, I wanted you to worship me in the right key. He, he never said, I wanted, you, I, I wanted you to worship me in the right mood or the right style. He said, in spirit and in truth. And our problem is we have a spirit. And little truth. So many of the people leading worship have a spirit and aren't living in much truth. Many people singing have a spirit and aren't living in much truth. And the issue with that is it's the truth that makes us free. So if, I, if the one singing to me ain't free, how is what they're singing going to free me? You can only produce after your own kind. And so what's happening is we're worshiping, but we're not getting better. We're worshiping, but we're not progressing in character. We're singing, but we're not changing. My God, we're having encounters, but we're still struggling with what we were struggling with before the encounter. And God is coming after that because he says, if you worship me, it don't go down like that. Come on, if, if, if you're interacting with me, it don't happen like that. And so he's coming and he's confronting what we call worship. Amen. 
He's ready to sanctify some stuff. And so I want to share with you some things that I believe is necessary for us. Some, some things we need to confront. Amen? Because there has to be a point in time where we come to church for more than being able to get what I need to make it through the week. I'm so beyond that. The word cannot be my Wheaties. Amen. I, I need, come on. The word can't be what I come to get to hold myself together because I was falling apart. Amen. There has to be a shifting into the purpose for which we're really here. Amen. To be equipped. Amen. There's a time where I needed God to save me. But now I come to church to be empowered to release salvation to others. Glory to God. And so I want to share some things that I believe the Lord wants to confront us in today. Hallelujah. And I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 12, verse number 31. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. And I'm going to read verses 31 through 37. And we'll jump into what thus saith God. It says in Matthew 12 verse 31, Wherefore, this is Jesus speaking, I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Verse 32. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Then it seems like he switches, but it's all in alignment. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. He goes on to say, O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. V key verse I'm going to work out of. But I say unto you that every idle word, everybody say idle word. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Ain't that so crazy that Jesus talks about judgment, but we think it's taboo to talk about it in church? He connects that to the day of judgment. Somebody say judgment. He's still a judge. Amen. We need to remember that. For by thy words thou shalt be what? And by thy words thou shalt be Condemn. Have you ever wondered why people roll their eyes when you say judgment and Jesus? You know why? Because they don't know him. Because Jesus talked about judgment. You don't roll your eyes when you say Jesus and judgment unless you really didn't know who Jesus was. He talked about judgment. Amen. Father, we thank you. And we bless you right now. For the power of your word. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Matthew 12 verse 36. 
I want to park there and I want to share a couple of things that I, that I believe are, are imperative for us to get in this time. Matthew 12 and 36, he said, but I say unto you that every idle word, everybody say idle word. Just follow me for a minute. That men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. In order to understand the Lord's point when he mentions idle word, because he works his way to that point. He doesn't jump right there. In order to understand what he's saying and what he's mentioning when he talks about idle words, we must understand that Jesus or understand Jesus's actions leading up to when he now mentions idle words. Everybody say idle words. And then also the Pharisees reaction to his actions. Because that helps us understand why, why he now turns his preaching topic to idle words. What was it that he did before he brought up the topic in his sermon of idle words? Jesus now was very, uh, we got to understand, was very purposeful. And he was also very intentional in what he did and why he did it. If you read the backstory of Matthew 12, before he enters into the discourse concerning idle words, Jesus healed a man with a withered hand. First, he did that before he talked about idle words. He healed a man with a withered hand, and he also healed a blind and deaf individual who was blind and deaf due to the oppression of a spirit. So now he, he now heals a man with a withered hand who had been going to church for years with a withered hand. He now heals somebody blind and, and, and dumb who had been going to church for years and been around. He's not healing people in the club. He's not healing people in the street. He, he is called to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. He's showing up at church doing these things. The blind and the deaf were not out in the street. The blind and the deaf were coming to service on Sunday. The one with the withered hand was on the praise team. These were people who now followed or at least acknowledged God. Amen. So now he heals them. Although they have been in that condition for years in ministry. Been in that condition for years serving God. And the religious leader's response, watch this, was to call Jesus or to claim Jesus was filled with the devil. You by devils cast out devils. You now have the spirit of Beelzebub. Why did he do that? Why did they blame? How could you do something good and religious folk call you the devil for it? Because Jesus now, follow this. Jesus was intentionally changing what church people had accepted as unchangeable conditions. He was, in, he, he was confronting them by what he was doing. Because they had accepted those conditions as ways God just leaves you. You worship God, but sometimes he leaves you with withered hands. You love on God. Oh, glory be to God. You can love on God, but sometimes he leaves you blind and dumb. 
You can serve God faithfully and sometimes he leaves you in a, a state of depression. Sometimes he leaves you struggling with sin. Sometimes he leaves you not being able to get complete victory. He now was moving on stuff that they said could not change and changing it in a moment to confront their worship. What God are you worshiping? Claiming that that issue is something that God does not want to change and God actually leaves his people like that God I wish I could get a witness up in here so through healing the man y'all don't mind if I teach through healing the man with the withered hand and causing the blind and deaf to see and speak, he was challenging conditions that people but who believed in God didn't believe God wanted to change or would change. So Jesus now, glory, I'm going to get in trouble. Jesus was changing in a moment conditions believers had lived in for a lifetime. They had spent their whole church life in bondage in Jesus' name. They had spent their whole church life in a struggle all in the name of God because God leaves us there. And in one moment, God, the real God actually shows up. Not the one you're worshiping that leaves you withered. Not the one you're worshiping that leaves you in sin. Not the one you're worshiping that leaves you in struggle. The real God showed up and said, stretch out your hand. You ain't got no business in worship with a withered hand you ain't got no business calling on my name blind and deaf you he's not just healing random things he's confronting the religious order they Israel there's some, oh, can I help you understand something? There's some stuff you ain't got no business fighting with if you're worshiping God. I'm just, and I, I know I get in trouble. For that. There's some stuff you should be free of if you're really worshiping God. There's some stuff that shouldn't be coming back on you if you're really, I hate to say it like that, but can I confront some stuff? And so, Minister, Minister Simmons, Ministers, Simmons, I love it. Literally, they had entered in such a backslidden walk with God, watch this, that they thought God wanted to help them manage their struggles instead of move their struggles. God led me to the medication that helped me handle this. God don't manage your dysfunction. He don't give you manning. He don't give you medicine. He gives you his name. He doesn't give you counseling. He gives you his name. I know they got a 21-step program. He got a one-step program. It's just one step, Jesus. One step, that's it. The withered hand, you ain't gonna have to go through physical therapy. You ain't gonna have to get shots. You ain't gonna have to go to doctors. Just stretch for just one step. There's a one step program with God, and we have so backslidden, we think God has to take us through 21 steps. Jesus, that's all, man. I don't know about you, but. 
so tired of people saying that so they can get people hyped during a service but when I hear the name of Jesus for real something inside of who I am something inside of me responds to the name of Jesus They had moved God from maker to manager. They had backslidden and moved God from their life to their life coach. God, I'm going to get in trouble. We're believers with life coaches. He didn't come to give you a life coach. He came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. What has happened? Where is our worship? He doesn't give you life coaches. He gives you fathers. Hello? Jesus. Rabbi Shondobo Komanda. Jesus comes right after these very conditions to confront their false worship. Jesus was telling, you know what Jesus was telling them? Because he's bad when you really walk, when you really, man, he was not all nice and sheepy like we think. He would bust into places, turn over tables and said, get that mess up out here. He would bust into places and tell folk, your daddy is the devil. He would bust into places and tell folk, I would heal you, but you too haughty to get your healing. We don't really track the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus was telling them, there's stuff you claim to be stuck in that you could have come out of with a hand. Now, you told that man, that's just how God left you. You're just going to have to learn how to be strong and fight through it with a hand. He was confronting them. He was saying there's stuff that you're claiming that God is still working on that he's already worked out and you're still in, although you could have come out. And instead of repenting and accepting the reality that what they have been, because we always like to say God had to take me that way. God doesn't have to. He just used it. Don't think because he used it, he had to. He's just that good to use it anyway. But many times we'll wait. He had to take me through five years. He could have took you through five minutes. But he will now. See, it ain't that he had to. It's just the choice you made and he used it. See, for me to get it, God got to hit me upside the head. No, he don't want to have to hit you upside the head. He actually just wants to speak to you. I got to go through a trial and then I say, okay, okay, God. You worshiping the wrong God. Amen. It's all right for me to spank my son when he's 12. It's all bad for me to spank my son when he's 25. We, we 35, 40 years old still saying, God got to whoop me. He had to whoop me. Why? What God are you worshiping? They're still getting the belt out and you're 50 years old in the church. This is what we got to understand. When you start demanding change on what people have deemed unchangeable, they'll call you evil. 
I'm going to say that again. When you start demanding change on what people have accepted as unchangeable, they will call you evil. They will call you insensitive. They'll call you somebody who does not understand people and what people go through. And what Jesus was saying was, I don't need to understand what you're going through. I need to tell you, you don't have to be going through it anymore. Stretch forth your hand. Take up your mat. Amen. And any time, because we want justification of the time we've wasted. We want justification of what we went through, even though we didn't have to go through as much as we did. We want to feel like it was necessary, even if it wasn't necessary. It was necessary for me to get it. It wasn't necessary for you to get it. God just used it for you to get it. He made it work together. It wasn't necessary. It was necessary Israel walked through the wilderness for 40 years. No, it wasn't. They were supposed to only go four days. But God made it work together. Amen. What we're going through right now, we don't have to, I don't, we don't need to be going through nothing. I'm going to say that again. We ain't going through nothing. This ain't taking me through no changes. Glory to God. I'm, I, have, I serve a God whose kingdom which cannot be shaken. And you will not say, lo, the kingdom is here. And lo, the kingdom is there. The kingdom is what? Within you. If, you can, if, if me, me and you have the kingdom in us, we're not being moved by what's around us. What's around me ain't taking me through. What's around me is about to get transformed. The only reason why I'm facing this is because I got the language to speak to mountains and command them to be moved. That's the only reason why this mountain is in my way because I qualify. I speak mountain moving language. And so I'm... That's if we're worshiping God. Amen. So in comes, in comes idle words. Everybody say idle words. What are idle words? Because this is a big one for us and I need us to get this today. Idle words are words we speak when we have accepted a current condition as an un, as unchangeable that's actually changeable. It's when I say I'm, it's one of two things. I've accepted it, I can't change it, or I've accepted it that it can't change right now. So I speak an idle word. What's an idle? It, it means I'm not moving. So I'm moving forward in life, but I'm not moving forward emotionally. I'm moving forward in life, but I'm not moving forward in faith. I'm not, why? Because I spoke idle words. And you better believe it. If you're stuck, you're going to be judged for it. That's what the Bible says. Every idle word. Because I didn't stick you there. I didn't make you stay there. I didn't put you there and tell you you couldn't move. I told you you was a wheel within a wheel. I told you spirit life was a wheel within a wheel. That means there's a wheel turning outside and a wheel turning inside. So even when outside ain't turning, my God, there's something still on the inside of me that can turn, that can move, that can grow, that can expand, that can elevate, that can edify, that can move forward. I'm turning even when ministry ain't turning. I'm moving even when house ain't moving. I'm moving even when career ain't moving. I need somebody to shout, I'm a wheel in a wheel.
God just has me stuck. That's an idle word. And if God has you stuck, it ain't the God of Israel. That's another God. God don't stuck us. I don't know how else to say that. I'm so tired of people telling me they got stuck and God did it. God didn't do it. But I need justification of why I ain't moving. And then when you come up and tell me you're supposed to be moving, now I'm evil. Because I actually want to tell you, you can leave. Hello? In comes idle words. Everybody say idle words. Idle words are words we speak when we have accepted a current condition as unchangeable that's actually changeable or at least something not going to change in the near future. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment because idle words carry power to keep us idle and idle was never God's determination for our life. Stuck was never God's will for our life inactive has never been God's will for our life so if you speak idle words you are going to have to now give account before your God not for being stuck for speaking words that made you stuck idle words are words that keep you in the same condition you're currently in and cause you to remain or cause you to remain extended amount of times in conditions you're currently in. In other words, it's being somewhere long, well longer than what you should have been. What's an example of an idle word? I'll give you one. I just don't change well. I just don't like change. You're going to give account for that. Because your whole call to Christianity is to continue to change. You're called to be conformed into the image of God. How are you going to look at the God that says your whole life is supposed to be me changing you and tell him I got a problem changing? That's an idle word. Why is it idle? Because it made me stay stuck in a place God wants to keep me moving. Hello? And it frames my future. So now... My, I already know what your future is going to be based on what you said. You're going to have problems changing for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, change is always going to be a problem for you. And you're going to think it's because change is hard. No, it ain't because change is hard. His joke is easy. It's because I spoke idle words. Y'all ain't hearing me. And now I have to live under the scourge. I have to. Oh, we don't understand how much we're our worst taskmaster. We don't understand how much we go through. We went through because of our own words. We got stuck in because of how we saw it. Because we misunderstood and misinterpreted God and called God something that he wouldn't and said God did something he didn't do this is my struggle you hear you hear saints say stuff like I'm just not a reader I'm dropping the ball. you're supposed to live by the Bible and you run around saying I just don't And it ain't the devil fighting you. I just get sleepy. It ain't the devil. 
It's your own idle words. Every time I open the Bible, I just get sleepy. I can't go through two messages. My mind just go everywhere. I just ain't a reader. Why? How could you not be a reader if God gave you a Bible? <laughs> there are certain things I just can't deal with. Idle word. What if God calls you to deal with something you say you can't deal with? Your words conflict with his calling and you wind up saying no to the calling because of what your words that you said. So you wind up in places and say, God, why you bring me here? I can't handle this. It's because God called you there, but your words kept you from qualifying to function in the place he called you. Because where he called you, you spoke words opposite of it. God, you must have missed this one. I don't know why you got me here. He got you there because you can handle it, but your words disarmed you. Yo, he didn't put you there and make a mistake. He didn't put you somewhere where the devils are too strong, where the people are too crazy. But what happened is he gave me a gun and I emptied it with my own words. So I step in there with a bullet and no guns. No gun, a gun and no bullets. Amen. This is the way I understand. I just can't understand. No other way. See, you got to break it down. If I'm going to understand it, idle words. God ain't going to keep on speaking to you the same way. Because if he has to continue to speak to you the same way from now until you go see him, that means you never change from now until you go see him. Your ears never elevated. Your ears never graduated. Hello? Glory to God. I just think this is an apostolic message. This is, this is really foundational stuff, y'all. Y'all know that, right? Foundational stuff that the enemy takes advantage of because we don't have foundation. We're literally giving them the gun he's shooting us with. Because we don't know the God we're worshiping. Watch this. So, a believer says we're going to always have something we struggle with. You know why they say that? Because they obviously currently have something they struggle with. And now I take my current condition and ensure it'll be my future. I know what your future holds for the rest of your life. There'll always be something you're struggling with. And not because it's the will of God. You're not living under God's word. You're living under your idol word. God, why won't you fix me? Why do I keep on having to struggle with this? It wasn't me that decided that it was you. Why won't you change it? Because if I do, you still going to talk wrong. That's why the fall of man was a man putting something in his mouth. He had no business putting, y'all hear me, in his mouth. And that's why the redemption of man was a tongue put in the for by thy words thou shalt be justified. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Our limits are a direct reflection of our language. I need y'all to get that. However limited you are, it's your language that did it. Because God does not give us language that limits us. 
He, he gives us language like all things are possible for them that believe. He gives us language like whatsoever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have. He gives us language like you are more than a common. That don't sound like that has limits. But our limits are a direct reflection of our language and language that limits us in ways God's word hasn't limited us. Any future we frame by our idle words, not his holy word, we will have to give an account for in the day of judgment. So in other words, what you're going through, not only may you not ever stop going through it, but you're going to have to give account for God for going through it because he never put that put you through that. Your words did. You're not just going to give account ah, for coming out. You're going to give account for going through for 10 years because I didn't tell you to go through that for 10 years. Your words kept you stuck in a place I never told you to stay. God Almighty. How much of my conviction is a reflection of my idle words and not his holy words? That's what we got to ask. If, is where I am a reflection of my words or his? Is how I feel a reflection of my words or his? Is what I'm accomplishing a reflection of my words or? Because we're going to give an account. Any, listen to me. God, I love to teach like this. And I got, we got to bring the church back to Sunday being the evangelical message. Sunday, you got to preach to get people to join the church. Because they got to be evangelical. And then Wednesday, you got to do Bible study. You got to be exciting on Sunday. And then you got to take your time and teach on Wednesday. Who told you that foolishness? That ain't God. That's something we made up. And so now we don't even come on Wednesday because that ain't the exciting service. On Sunday, pastor's going to preach and he's going to shout and he's going to ah. We want the ah. It's another false god. It ain't kingdom. You don't come for that. You come to be taught. You come to be edified. You come to be equipped. You don't come to be stimulated. You come to be married, not just stimulated. Man, I almost said something. Because we fornicate when we just want to be stimulated. I ain't asking for a commitment. I just want to come and you give me something to stimulate me till I come next week. I ain't trying to get married. I just want to hook up. God, I, I'm sorry I'm walking apostolically. It's just, I'm just going to tell you how. Because we'll treat Jesus like we treat each other. That's why he says, love me first and then love your neighbor. Because how you treat me is how you'll treat them. And how you treat them is how you'll treat me. And if you want stimulation without commitment down here. You'll want stimulation without commitment up there too. Hey man. Hallelujah. See what we got to understand is this, uh, Minister Merritt, we got to understand 
that there are certain situations and circumstances, watch this, that we can't handle because of our emotional condition. Some of us are in emotional condition. If God gives us certain assignments or certain situations, we cannot handle. A condition, though, that was conceived not by his word, but our idle words. So watch this. God will hold us accountable for not doing what we're in no emotional condition to do because he wasn't the one that gave us the words to put us in that condition. So there's some things you emotionally can't do that God is saying, I expect you to be doing right now. Why? Because what I said didn't put you in that condition. You're going to give an account. Because all the time I struggle, I can't do his will. That's why he says we should not be entangled with civilian affairs. And the cares of this life shall choke the Lord. You know, people, they, they love God. They're just going through something right now. And they just got to find. No, the, that's called the cares of this life that is choking the word and making it unfruitful. If we don't call stuff what it is then we can't get our worship back to the God that's supposed to be getting it. Hello? There's some stuff we ain't emotionally ready for, and God ain't the one who put us in that emotion. And so he's saying, I'm holding you accountable. Amen? Hello? We don't like that God that confronts, do we? We don't like that God that says that there's going to be a judgment for this. Because I gave you a word, and the word you're living on ain't the one that I gave you. You gave yourself a word. Amen? We got to ask these questions. How much is your ongoing struggle with sin a reflection of your idle words? Or how much is it a reflection of his holy words? I know there may be somebody still struggling with sin in here. Is it a reflection of his words or yours? Was it his words about sin or your words about sin? Was it your words that said sin is hard to break? You can't nobody do it overnight? Or was it his words that say, if thou will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead? Which words are governing your victory over sin? Our mental condition, our level of liberty... Or lack of liberty is a reflection of either his holy words or our idle words. How free are we? Is it because, man, it's just hard for me to stay free. It's just hard for me to maintain. Am I living under that word or am I living under the word that says who the son makes free is free indeed. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And if liberty is where the spirit is, he says walk in the spirit. So I guess I'm supposed to live in liberty every day, every moment of my life. Our liberty is supposed to reflect his holy words, not our words based off of what we saw. Well, this is how I respond to it. So this is how I am. How are you going to use your past to dictate who you are? That's actually idolatry. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Y'all know that, right? It's, it's, it's idolatry. So, I'm going to teach a little bit more. Just because we're in a condition where we can't do something doesn't mean God doesn't expect us to be doing it. Because it ain't whether or not you can do it, it's whether or not he put you there or you put you there. And come on, somebody. 
There's some people not, they can't do it. And God is saying they need to be doing it. There's some people, it's like, man, look, God forgave me. He worked it out. I'm getting closer now. I know my breakthrough is coming. And God is saying, man, your breakthrough been and arrived. And your clock is ticking. Not for grace, but for time. Because it's not he that says, Lord, Lord, that shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's those that do the will. You're steady worrying. You're fighting through your worry. You're fighting through all the words you're under. You still ain't got to the will yet. You got to get victory first. We have so gotten so far away from doing the will of God. We think when we come out, that's God's will for our lives. He brought me out. Man, that's a sorry testimony. I don't need to know. I don't need you to tell me for 30 years he brought you out. What are you doing because he brought you out? It's a sorry testimony. I want to hear that. I, 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 he delivered me from liquor too. Thank God. But you ain't got to be saved to stop drinking. He delivered him. He delivered for me from drugs too. I used to tote. Right? But I, I wasn't saved when I stopped smoking. Amen. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Y'all still love me. Jesus now, watch this. Jesus was changing what Jews thought was unchangeable to tell them you could have been unchanged by now. And they didn't like it. How in the world you going to call somebody who had been paralyzed for 38 years to stand up, take up their bed, and they turn around and figure out how they're going to kill you? You know why? Because they were dealing with issues less severe than that and wasn't delivered. If he can deliver that, I ain't got no excuse to be sorry. I ain't got no excuse to be still struggling with what I'm struggling. Because it ain't even as big as that. If he can deliver that in a moment, I have no more cover up. For being in my bondage, which is a less severe than he is. They said, we got to kill him. Otherwise, he's going to pull the covers off of us. And we ain't going to be able to act like God actually leaves us like this while we walk with him. We got to get rid of this one. Amen. Speaking. This is where I want to go. This is the turn. This is what I need you to get. Speaking idle words is actually an act of idolatry. Idle words are an act of idolatry. Amen? Idolatry, I-D-O-L-A-T-R-Y, is the worship of other gods. Amen? To speak idle words about myself is to worship a god that's not God. How? Because a lot of people say, I, ain't no, I worship the true God. Not in that condition, you don't. Not saying that. His word don't say that. How? How? With idle words, I make myself into my own image and likeness. When I was originally created in God's image and likeness. I ain't patient. Well, you worshiping another God. Because he's patient. I don't like people where you worship in another God because he died for people. I have trust issues where you worship another God because he let Judas count the money. It's 
not who you say you worship, it's who you look like. Whatever we worship, we look like. Worship is to bring us into the image of what we worship. Y'all acting like, if you worship hair, guess what you're going to have every week? A new hairdo. I'm talking about fried, laid to the side, smoking. I mean, you make sure you go in the bathroom because you worship hair. You wait till you get to church and plug in the ironing and turn it because you want your curls to be fresh when you praise the Lord. If, if you worship the New England Patriots, guess what? You're going to look like a New England Patriot. I got a New England Patriot bumper sticker. I got a New England Patriot jersey. I got New England Patriot colored shoes. I got New England Patriot colored shirts. And we want, you wind up looking more like a football team than the God whose image you were actually created in because you don't know you're worshiping that team and not God. What you worship, you look like. Amen. To embrace an idea of what I'm like that's not like him is for me to worship another God besides him. Amen? To the, in, to the degree, now watch this, I embrace about me what the Bible doesn't say about him. The worship, I'm worshiping a God that's not the God of the Bible. To the degree my words about me doesn't reflect his words about me. I'm speaking idle words and actively participating in idolatry. See, we don't understand it, but idolatry is more prevalent than what we actually have said it is. See, because back in the Old Testament days, they would make their idols out of wood. They would make it out of a stone and rock. Every now and again, they would molten images. They would burn them. And what they would then do is... If they needed their God, you know what they'd have to do? Because it was an image. They would have to go and grab their God and bring them, pick that God up and carry that God to where they needed that God to now help them. Look, we in trouble. Let's go get our God. That's just, man. Because... What we don't understand is we're not called to go get our God. We're called to conform into the image of our God. And so if I'm there, he already is. Why am I going to have to go get him and I'm bearing him enough of his image that when I showed up in this valley, he was there too. When I showed up in this hell, he was there too. When I showed up in this obstacle, he was there too. I do not have to go get my God. I look enough like my God. God for him to trust me with this problem to speak to it like he would speak to it to bind it like he would bind it to walk in victory over it like he would walk in victory over it I do not have to go get my God I look enough like him to shift this my God something is about to change because I ain't going to get him I'm wearing him I ain't going to get him he I'm clothing him I need somebody in here right now that recognizes that Jesus ain't an idol you don't have to go get him you ain't gotta call on Jesus you ain't gotta find out where he is I'll make you enough like me that when you get to where you're going I'll be there with you
where are you? If you're worshiping God, you never ask that. I don't go get them. I'm wearing them. The only reason why I'm here, because he put some clothes on me. Called breastplate of righteousness. He put some clothes on me. Called shield of faith. He put some clothes on me. Called helmet of... I can't be here if he ain't here too. So what happens then is, because we've been influenced by idolatry, we actually think when troubles comes, we got to go get God's attention. Let me go call on Jesus. But what we're actually doing is calling on a God that ain't Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't want to come. Jesus wants us to conform. If I can give you enough of my peace, you ain't got to ask for it when you get in a troubled situation. I'm going to make you look enough like me that you will have the peace you need because you carried me in with you. Glory to God. Do you understand you get delivered from adultery at some point? Y'all know that, right? What's adultery? To look at a woman to lust after her. It ain't sleeping with him. To look at a man to lust after him. That literally, at, at some point in your progress with God, when you really get saved, you stop. If you see some woman half-dressed or with half their body out, or if you see a man with all the guns showing, you know, whatever, you know, you got to be like, so you can keep your holiness. You just put your head down, yeah. And act like you don't see him. Why? Because I'm committed enough to God not to do it, but there's still a part of me that wants it. I'm going to say that again. I'm delivered enough by God not to do it, but there's still a part of me that wants it. But do you know when you keep on walking with God, do you know when you continue to be conformed into his image, he cannot be tempted, yes, by evil. So you can look at the boobs and the boobs don't do nothing. You can look at the thighs. They can, you can pull up your skirt. You can shake it and drop it. And I'll watch you the entire time. And once you finish jiggling, I'll lay hands on you and cast that demon up out of you because I ain't attracted to it no one there comes a time where you can look at it and it don't bother you because no part of you wanted it somebody shout he'll deliver us by conforming us you don't go get him when I feel like I want to have it. you don't go get him you got him he's on you trying to go get God to stop you from having sex that's why you still having sex get into him enough cause perversion don't attract him there comes a point in time I get his attractions there comes a point in time I hate what he hates and I love what he loves I want what he wants and I don't want what he don't want I ain't gotta go get him his name ain't Buddha I ain't gotta go get him I ain't a Hindu I ain't gotta go get him that ain't Muhammad my God makes me like him in the beginning let us make man in our image that's the real God and after our likeness I'm talking about real worship it's so funny because women are prancing in front of you boy and after they finish praying hey baby you ever heard of glorious room the revival community good you know I'm the pastor the pastor of that church you know what they do 
I'm talking about, man, I'm talking to them. They got it all hanging out. I'm a pastor. They, oh. It's so funny to see demons run. You don't attract me. So you know I can cash you out. That's why you cover yourself. You ain't delivered because you didn't do it. You're delivered when you don't want it. We got to get back to our God. That's real worship. He translates us out of darkness yeah, into the kingdom of his dear son. That we are no longer children of darkness, but children of the day and the night. Well, we ain't got to hide it because we didn't want it anyway. We can talk to women at the well. I'm talking, oh, glory. Yeah, Jesus went after the woman at the well. And he went after her because he knew men wasn't strong enough. And every one of them criticizing and saying, how are you talking to that woman? He knows how loose she is. Because they ain't qualified to talk to her. Because if they got that close, they would warn her. Many times we criticize because we ain't delivered. Because we ain't worshiping the right God that makes us like him. So there's a woman who has an alabaster box. We don't understand how intimate that was. We don't understand. I'm talking about she was a prostitute. She made her living get, getting down. She know how to get down. And as much of a spirit of perversion was on her, Jesus lets her take her hair and rub it against her, his feet. This was an intimate moment that if he's not really free, he'll want something besides his feet wiped. God. See, God is bringing us into some waters where freedom is demanded because we're worshiping the real God. Hello? See, the problem is there's too many ministers and deacons and pastors that if they were the ones she rubbed their feet, they would have caught her after the service. Amen. They wasn't free enough to have that level of ministry by somebody who was just getting free without taking advantage of it. Somebody shout worship. I shout worship. Watch this. So now. Individuals who have idols have to go pick up their God and carry them. If I need God, I got to go get him. I got to go find out and I got to bring him where I'm at because he didn't come with me. And so many times you see saints, you know what they do? They come to church to get picked up and moved. Because anytime we have to come to church to get picked up and moved because we can't move ourselves, it's the influence of idolatry. That's another God. Don't, no, no, I don't have to come to service to be picked up and moved, although sometimes that's what happens. I don't have to listen to a certain, I got to listen to this song because it lifts me up when I feel down. You're relying on a song to pick you up and move you. You can't just get up and go. 
Amen. We have so been influenced by idolatry. We don't even know. Well, it's not a song that picks us up. It's not a medium. It's the name of Jesus. It's who he is in my life. It's who he is in my heart. And every now and again, I'll sing a song and I do feel lifted. But you best believe if my radio don't work, I'm still going to pick up and I'm still going to move. If y'all cancel service this week, I'm still going to pick up and I'm still going to move. I don't use that. to. We're not called to use that. That's another God. Paul and Silas are in prison. Man, y'all don't hear me up in here. Paul and Silas are in prison. And it wasn't prison like today. They did not have three meals and likes. They put you in the basement. You're in complete darkness. In a wet cold cell left alone in darkness and chained up and the bible says man you know what we need to do i know the praise team ain't here glory be to god i know our pastor ain't gonna preach i know the church ain't gonna be able to back us up with a praise but we actually worship the real god so silas i need you to praise and i'm gonna pray and we gonna have church right up in here it's worship somebody shout worship the real one so when you chained up have a praise party when it's dark give God glory when the door don't open bless his name you worship the real true and living God and if the wall don't move keep on conforming until you can go through walls like your king sometimes he don't move the wall because he's going to teach you how to be spiritual watch this So, so now I'm going to share this last part and I'm going to close. Idle words cause us to function in idolatry. Matthew 12, verse 33 and 34. And I'm closing. Matthew 12, verse 33 and 34. It says this. Now, going back to the adultery and lust thing, don't look until you can look without warning. But now, don't say, look here, I'm just going to be strong and try it. Don't try it. Don't try it. You'll know. Something just clicks on the inside of you, and you just know this is different, man. I'm, I'm free at a place I wasn't free at before. You just, there's something in you that knows it just like, I, don't, I can't even explain it, but you just know, man, this something's different about who I am. Commander Abashita. And stuff you used to avoid because of the potential. It's not that you would do it, but there's a little probability still there. Now you'll confront. Something shifts. But you got to continue to press into worshiping your God. Amen. Not going to get him, but being conformed into who he is. That's what worship does. Now, now watch this. <clears throat> and I'm closing. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 and 34. Watch this. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is what? 
he talks it, and then he goes into idle words. Why? Jesus, he, he now, before mentioning idle words, speaks about tree and fruit, vine to branch. That speaks of a communion, the relationship between a branch and a vine. We know John 15, he's the vine and we're the branch. He, he begins to now connect idle words to the communion between the vine and the branch. That we are, he's the vine, we're the branch. Because in the kingdom, watch this, and we need to get it, our condition is a reflection of our communion. I'm going to say, if you don't get nothing else, I say, because we try to blame our condition on our background. We try to blame our condition on how we were raised. We try to blame our condition on our parents, what they did and did not do. We try to blame our condition on our neighborhood, what hood we grew up in. We try, and God says, your condition has nothing. If you're really in the kingdom, your condition ain't got nothing to do with your past, nothing to do with what city you're from, nothing to do with what your mama and daddy did or did not do for you. Your communion reflects your condition what comes out of you is a reflection of who you're connected to connection trumps past communion trumps culture who I am has nothing to do with how people are around me I'm in communion with God amen our reflection is our condition is supposed to be a reflection of our communion, not our past. The reason why I'm like this is because of this. The reason why I talk like this is because of this. The reason why I don't trust people is because of this. All this is evidence of what if my condition is supposed to reflect my communion, if my condition is con reflecting my past, if my condition is reflecting my culture, if my condition is reflecting my parents, what does that say? That says I don't have the communion that's supposed to erase that condition. I need to get back to God. I need to begin to seek again. I need to press into my God. I need to cut off some stuff and lay on my face. I need to turn over my plate and fast and pray. I need to begin to go back into a place of devotion. I got too lackadaisical because if I was doing this communion right, my condition would not be dictated by how I was raised, who molested me, who talked about me, who lied on me. To get this communion thing back right. I refuse to let my past tell me how I'm supposed to be. And there's some people that are mad about that because they want to say, I, I need you to be true to who you, you act like you don't know where you came from. No, I act like I know exactly where I came from. I just didn't come from the neighborhood you saw me in. I came from heaven. I just didn't come from the place you thought I came from. I came from the shine. I know exactly where I came from. And that's why I hold no obligation to act like nobody that don't look like him. I know exactly where I came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so ultimately what happens, our, and I'm closing, our condition is supposed to be a reflection of our communion, not our past. So then, just like fruit hangs on the branch because of its communion with the vine, realities are intended to hang on us because of our, our communion with the Christ. 
See, there's some people trying to endure, and there's some people that have endurance hanging on them. For the, the one, trying, one is trying to do it by effort. The other one has it by fruit. There's some people trying to find happiness, and there's other people that have joy hanging off of them. One of them is trying to find happiness. The other one has joy as fruit. The fruit of the ark. Y'all act like we're supposed to actually find joy instead of get so connected to God, it oozes out of our pores like sweat. My God, I sweat joy. I sweat victory. I sweat conquering. I sweat encouragement. I don't need to find encouragement. It hangs on me. As a matter of fact, you can pick some of it and I'll still have some. As a matter of fact, you can come up to me and have some of what's hanging off of me and I'll still be all right. Somebody's supposed to be picking you. Man. I'm going to say that again. Somebody's supposed to be picking you. Not because of what you found, but what hangs on you. Other folks happy sometimes, but happiness hangs on you. Some people have victory sometimes, but victory just, it just seems like you always, why are you always victorious? Because communion is the reflection of my com- condition. It don't matter what's around me, because the Bible says, Lord, that, that, that who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He that have clean hands and a pure heart. And it goes on to say, um, um, that literally you shall be like trees, yep, planted by the rivers of living water, that bringeth forth her fruit in every season the actual translation is every season i'm gonna have fruit whether i'm in season or not that's why jesus goes to the fig tree and expects it to bear fruit in not in season because if you're in my presence y'all ain't hearing what i'm saying i'm the vine not the sun i'm the not the s-u-n but the s-o-n i'm the vine listen today and I'm closing listen and listen well the Lord is coming after worship today the Lord is coming after worship today and he's coming after idols today he ain't coming after your carved image that you got in your closet because you ain't got none of them you just got ideas about yourself and words spoken over yourself that he never gave you He's coming after those today. He says in 1 John 5, my little children, keep yourself from idols. Why? Because you could be a child of God in idolatry. If there's no illumination to what exactly that is. God says, I'm ready to elevate somebody's condition on the spot. You ain't going to wait for this. Don't say six months until harvest, but I'm telling you, something is right, ready to ooze out of who you are and bring you into the greatest level of victory that you've ever accomplished in your life, to bring you into a place of God you've never experienced in your life. Everybody standing to your feet. Renandara 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I tell you the truth. Every idle word man shall speak. They shall give an account for in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I hear the Lord saying, give your condition back to me. If you would just let me have my right over your condition, you wouldn't be in that condition. If you would lose your life, you would gain it. If you would lay down your experience as if it's your identity, I will show you who you really are. Would you bring your words back to the altar of worship of the true and living God today? Not your words about who I am, but your words about who you are. Because you said some stuff about you I ain't saying. You're, you're operating in some stuff I never put you in. And it's not because of what you've been through, but it's because of your words that you refuse to align with mine. That's you today. I need you to come and not recommit your lips during praise and worship. Not recommit your lips during times where you're asked to speak in front of the religious crowd because we all know how to say the right thing in front of religious people I'm just keeping the faith and I'm just this and that no 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 I'm talking about when it's me and you I'll, will you give up your lips when you ain't feeling it when you feel at the end of yourself when you when you're facing it and you feel it would you give up your lips then and trust my words in those times